Good morning, LifePoint. How are we doing? Good, good. So, hey, my name is Fred, and like Jesus, I am a Raiders fan, um, and it is a joy to be here with you today, if you're whether in person or online. Uh, but in all seriousness, um, you know, since the uh, 49ers are in the Super Bowl, um, and they're playing in my hometown, and their biggest fan, and our lead pastor Kyle's kind of feeling under the weather, I just want to say this to you guys. I want to say go Chiefs, okay? <laughs> go Chiefs. I'm kidding. I know I'm not going to get hurt after this message. Uh, but we are continuing our series in the Bible called 90. We've been looking at spending 90 days with Jesus. And really, uh, the idea is, hey, what would happen to us if we drew closer to Jesus over 90 days? It, it can take 20 days to form a habit and 90 days to, to form a lifestyle. And if we could just follow... So for me, if I could just keep that close to Jesus for 90 days, I know my life would change drastically. And that's what we've been doing. Uh, we've had a different focus each month. Last month, we talked about what people said about Jesus in the Bible when he walked the earth, people said some things, and not all of them were true. And this month, we're looking at what did Jesus say about himself. And today, we're going to be answering the question, what did Jesus say about himself, uh, with the answer that he said, I am the good shepherd, okay? I am the good shepherd. And, and I know a lot of us have heard that. I think most of us have heard that, even if you don't know Jesus. By the way, welcome to LifePoint. We're glad that you're here with us today. Be sure to stop by the Connection Center and get a cool gift. But most of us have heard Jesus say that he's a good shepherd, that, that Jesus cares about his people, right? Like, we think that's cute and that's very simple. But as we're going to see in John chapter 10, it's actually a technical role that Jesus fills, that this is very important that we understand that Jesus is a good shepherd for many reasons, uh, but also because there's a lot of bad shepherds in the world. There's a lot of people who will lead you away from God, if you didn't know this. And some of us, we've been around the block a few times, and we've seen this happen in our lives. And some of us, uh, we, we haven't had it happen yet, but we've heard of other people who have said this. Um, so this is one of Jesus' I am statements um, in the book of John. Uh, these are statements that Jesus makes about his identity, that he is certain things, okay? Jesus is not vanilla. Um, he is certain things. He's specific. He has topography, to put it a different way. But also, it's a double meaning, is when he says, I am, a lot of theologians believe he's referencing his divinity, that to be the I am is to be self-existent, right? Is to be God. That's what Mo, uh, God says his name is to Moses. You guys remember this? Uh, 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 Moses, the burning bush, the wilderness. Uh, Moses has to go to Egypt and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses is like, hey, who am I gonna, who am I gonna say is sending me? And he says, tell them I am is sending you. It's the name of God himself. And so Jesus is, is, is implied that he's divine. He's talked about it. Um, and a couple weeks ago, we saw that the reason the uh, Pharisees had the Romans killed Jesus was because he claimed divinity, okay? Um, and so what we see here is another I am statement is Jesus claims to be the good shepherd. And, and, and the chapter 9 really pairs well with, or chapter 10 pairs well with chapter 9. In chapter 9, Jesus heals a, a, a man born blind. If you guys remember this, what does he do? He spits in the mud, uh, rubs the mud together, puts it in the man's eyes, has him go wash in a certain pool, and what happens? The blind man sees, right? And then the whole rest of chapter, John chapter 9, is this investigation by the Pharisees. Is Jesus allowed to do this, right? Is he allowed to heal on the Sabbath? And really they're getting at, is he from God or is he from Satan, okay? And this division with the Pharisees begins in chapter 9, and there's no break at the end of chapter 9 and then uh, chapter 10, which is where we're going to be today. 
And what this means is the teaching on the Good Shepherd, guys, it's connected to Jesus' accusations against the Pharisees. That, that he heals a blind man, essentially says, hey, it's not that that dude is blind, it's that you are blind. You are a bad teacher. You are blind. You don't understand what is true. And then he gives this illustration. He's talking to the Pharisees about being the good shepherd. And that's what we're going to be spending our time with today is looking at Jesus calling himself the good shepherd. And so this is a figure of speech, okay? This is not an actual uh, real account, but Jesus uses this to teach them about who he is and about who we are and about who the Pharisees are as well. He's going to talk about sheep, um, which is going to be correlated to God's people. He's going to talk about a shepherd, which is going to be Jesus. He's going to talk about the gate, which is also going to be about Jesus. He's going to talk about robbers and thieves who are, who are trying to sneak into the, the sheep pen to steal the sheep. Um, and that could, be, you know, that could be Satan. That could be sin. That's most likely going to be the false teachers. He's saying, hey, you're like, you steal the sheep. You can't, you can't lead the sheep. They don't follow you. So you coerce, coerce them and you steal them. Um, and there's going to be a few other things in the, in the text as well. And so I've got no witty hook today. Um, um, I had one in my mind, but it doesn't sound very good out loud. So I'm not going to... It was going to be uh, uh, leopards are not shepherds, but that's a little um, cheesy. Uh, even the leopards hunt sheep and they are very good at that. So um, uh, let's look at this. John chapter 10, verse 1. We're going to see uh, uh, this, for this first part, Jesus is just going to set up the figure of speech. He's not going to attribute himself or anything else. He's just going to tell them about sheep. It says this, John chapter 10, verse 1. He says, truly, I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gates, but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. And all of a sudden, if you're hearing a story and there's a thief or a robber and you're the bad guy in real life, Jesus may be talking about you. Okay. This is, these guys should be paying attention. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper, um, in this illustration, it's most likely God opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them outside, uh, when he's brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. So the, the, the illustration or the picture would have been um, um, a bunch of buildings together and there would have been a courtyard in the middle where they kept all the livestock or the sheep. And it would have been multiple families would have kept the sheep in the same courtyard. And when the shepherd of the sheep would come, the gatekeeper who was hired to protect the sheep, um, um, he would open the gate and the shepherd would call the voice and only the sheep of that family would go with the shepherd, okay? And they would, he'd lead them out and he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. That's going to be important in a minute. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. And then we get John's little commentary on this. He says, Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. They, like all of us are kind of getting this right here. They didn't understand Okay, it says this, Jesus said, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. And now he's, he kind, of, he's kind of mixing metaphors. He's kind of confusing it a little bit. Um, but, but he's saying he's more important than we think. He says, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before, came before me are thieves and robbers. All the false messiahs and the teachers who tried to mislead Israel, they're thieves and they're robbers. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. That's how a, a sheep had life, was, was, was going to get water and pasture and eating food and things like that. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. And so th this last part, steal, kill, and destroy, that's usually attributed to Satan is what we hear. But in this context, he's not talking about Satan. He's talking about the Pharisees. Okay, um, he's talking about them that they are thieves and they're robbers. They don't genuinely lead God's people. And so uh, Jesus sets up the figure of speech. And, and again, he's teaching the Pharisees what's wrong with them. 
Okay, so if Jesus is telling you a story or if, if like a, maybe a pastor or a great storyteller is sitting down with you and they're telling you a story, you should listen up because they're probably talking about you or they're trying to teach you something about what they're trying to say. And so Jesus has just called the Pharisees blind at the end of chapter nine. Um, they've accused him of being demon possessed. That's how he's healing people. Some of the Pharisees are disagreeing with Jesus. And so he gives this illustration and, and he says, okay, there's a shepherd. Uh, the shepherd goes and get the sheep and the sheep fall the shepherd's what? His voice, because they, they know his voice. They don't follow strangers. They, they follow the shepherd. They only listen to the shepherd. So I have two boys. Canon is 11 and Silas is nine, or we have two boys. Um, and they're just a gift from God. Um, really, I, I don't know why we got such great kiddos. They're amazing. That's uh, probably because of my wife. My wife, Jen, she's, she's really cool. But they like to mess with me, okay? And they like to do it through Siri. And so they'll try to have Siri set weird alarms for me. They'll ask Siri to play fart noises. They'll ask Siri to do random stuff. But about a year ago, I don't know if it was an update, Siri was changed and they can no longer tell Siri what to do. Siri only listens to my voice. And so they're trying to get it. They're trying to do the deep voice like, hey, Siri, play, play this, you know, let's recall. It, it, is they, they try these things. But Siri only listens to me, and I'm, I'm thanking the Lord for that. Um, but, but that's exactly what Jesus says the sheep do. They don't follow the, the, the strangers. They don't follow the, the, the robbers and the thieves. They only follow the shepherd. They hear his voice, and they recognize his voice, and they follow him. And that's why being a false teacher, being a false shepherd, and we'll get into maybe a little more practical application that's why it's such a bad thing is that you've got to do other things to coerce the sheep if they will not follow you. And so um, a couple different ways to kind of figure out, hey, who is a true shepherd and who's a false shepherd? If there's these two camps of good shepherd and the good sheep, right? And then the false shepherd and the stranger, like how do we tell the difference? Um, how do we know? Because I know a lot of you would say, hey, I've probably followed somebody that um, I thought was following God, but they weren't. You guys ever done that before? And so, so when Jesus says that the, the sheep only follow his voice, it's kind of confusing. We need help distinguishing between the false shepherds and the good shepherd who is Christ and his under shepherd. So a few ways to tell based on this text is number one, true shepherds do not have to steal sheep because they lead and the sheep listen. And this sounds super basic, right? Like back in the day, thieves would, would jump. So if somebody's crawling in through your window, are they welcome in your home? Let me just say that. No, you know that they're coming to, to, to steal or to rob or to hurt, right? Um, it's the same when somebody doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, you know they're, they're shady, right? They're there to do something bad. And what Jesus says in the text is that true shepherds don't have to steal because the sheep follow them anyway, right? And, and, so, and so what this implies is that false shepherds, maybe the Pharisees, maybe other leaders, maybe even today it could be um, like, like thought leaders or pastors or movement leaders. And again, there's a lot of amazing pastors and there are some who, who are maybe not so great. And so that's kind of something to look out for. But, but what he's talking about is, is the sheep will follow them. God's people will usually follow them in a way that it, they don't have to coerce them, okay? They don't have to, to beat them into submission, okay? So secondly, true shepherds are called by God, sent by God, and lead people to what? They, this, again, this is so basic, isn't it? Like, like, like true shepherds, they lead people to God. They're, they're not getting in the way. They don't lead people to themselves. It doesn't terminate on them and their interests and their beauty and their platform and their image and your attachment to them. It leads people to, they lead people to God. And, and more than that, they're sent by God. They're commissioned by God. Um, and they are called by God. God is the active agent. Does that make sense? 
And so, so, so it's not their own calling that I feel called to do this and I'm gonna do it no matter what everybody else, <clears throat> everybody else says. Thirdly, false shepherds cannot lead because the sheep don't listen, so they have to steal, okay? Like I said, this usually false shepherds, they have to steal sheep <clears throat> because God's people usually don't follow them. And lastly, false shepherds are condemned by God, selfish in nature, and that's important, and drive people away from God. And so I'm going to get into this in a minute, but false shepherds, they feel condemnation. They know that there's something wrong with their relationship with God, but they don't address it. They're selfish in nature. So Jesus, was he selfish, guys? Maybe that's like the most basic question. He was not selfish, he was selfless. He says, hey, I'm like a shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And he's, he's kind of pointing back to this Old Testament figure of David. David was a good shepherd. When he was a younger, if a lion or a bear would drag off one of his sheep, do you know what he did? He wasn't like, oh, you take that one. I'm not going to. Uh, he would go after them and he would kill the lion or the bear. He did it multiple times because he was a good shepherd. And Jesus says, I'm a good shepherd. I'm selfless. And so the way to spot False shepherds is, is they're going to be selfish in nature. They're not selfless. They're, they're centered on themselves. It's all about them. And usually it's about protecting themselves. If you guys have ever seen this, it's usually about them protecting themselves and they drive people away from God. Usually people who follow false shepherds, after a while, they begin to feel distant from God. You guys know that? Like after a while, they're like, wait, why do I feel less affection? Why do I see that we're not opening the Bibles? Which why do I see that we're not connecting with the Lord? Um, and so uh, in Second Peter, uh, Peter kind of talks uh, e- even more in depth about false shepherds, and it's going to get better, guys. <laughs> You're like, we're talking about false teachers. This is kind of hard. Second uh, Peter is going to take it uh, down another level, but we're going to bring it back up after that. And he's going to say, just like in the Old Testament, there were false prophets. Today, there's going to be, or not, in the church nowadays, and even back then, there's going to be false teachers, that they will come and they will come. So he says this, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. He's pretty harsh, okay? This is pretty strong language. There were indeed false prophets among the people. Talking about the Old Testament. This was before Jesus. Just as there will be false teachers among you, they will bring in destructive heresies. And by the way, there's no other type of heresy but a destructive heresy. Even denying the master who is Jesus who bought them and will bring swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved ways, and the way of truth will be maligned or slandered, or Christianity will look bad because of them. They will exploit you in their greed with made-up stories. Their condemnation pronounced long ago is not idle, and their destruction does not sleep. And that last part is scary. Is God, that their judgment is coming. For anybody who would actively lead God's people away from God, and it would have been some of these guys Jesus is talking to, some of the people that Peter is talking about later, and even nowadays, if somebody, if I, were, if I were to lead people away from God, my destruction would not sleep. Does that kind of like, like there is judgment for that if I was a false shepherd and I didn't know the Lord. And so, and so Peter kind of raises the bar on what it means to have godly shepherding and leadership, especially in Christ. And so, um, like I said, sometimes people have followed, I think all of us to some degree have at one time followed a false shepherd. I think we've kind of made some mistakes along the way. And the question is, well, how do we discern the two? So here are five effective methods for assessing teachers critically, okay? Number one is consistency with biblical teaching, okay? Um, like like, like w- when they're teaching, this is what you do. You, you have one of these. You guys ever seen these before? It's called the Bible. You, you open it up, you know, and, and you say, okay, what, what are the is this lining up? Is what they're saying, does it line up with the Bible? It doesn't mean that every word they say is scripture itself, 
But are they teaching things that are in line with Scripture, okay? Um, That is the first um, way that you do that. Secondly, is emphasis on external actions over inner transformation. Is that a false teacher always is about behavior modification, always about you doing something, giving something, performing something, building something, and it's not necessarily about heart change. Does that make sense, guys? Like, like, like a good shepherd, Jesus is the greatest shepherd. He is our, our shepherd. He was after the heart of people. And if you get the heart, practically speaking, you're going to get everything else, right? But he's about belief in himself. And, and pastors today should be about belief in the gospel of Jesus. The good news that Jesus lived, died, rose, and ascended. Um, it's not just about um, um, external action. Even though we might say something, you have to go, try, you should go do this. It's not all about that. Okay. Thirdly, uh, watch out for you-centered messages. So you guys are beautiful, even you in the 49ers jerseys. Um, <laughs> you, guys, you guys are especially cool, okay? Um, um, you guys are amazing. Uh, you guys are awesome. But, but this book is not about you. It, it's really, it, it's about Jesus and God's revelation of his plan and ultimately about God's glory. And yes, God does love you for sure. But the Bible is not about, so when a message from the Bible is about you only, not just applying to you, but is about you, that's usually a red flag. That usually means that, that they're not proclaiming Christ. Jesus is not at the center of the story. Because I'll tell you what, like making it about you will get you guys to come back. But that's about it. It doesn't lead to life change. Third, uh, fourthly, um, watch out for uh, use of emotional manipulation. So this could be people who prey on your emotions to get you to do something. I know you guys have never seen this before, right? Um, we've never done this before, but it means that, that they may use guilt. They might use fear. They might use shame. They're going to drive you towards a specific result through preying on your emotions. And it doesn't just have to be negative emotions. Uh, it could be very positive emotions. You guys ever been in a sensational sermon and in a, in a service where everything is just super emotional, that everything is designed to, to kind of drive this emotion inside of you, but you go home and what happens two days later? It doesn't stick, right? Because the realities of life set in. And so watch out for emotional manipulation. Again, that doesn't mean like being logical or having content or being passionate. It means that if they're using your emotions to do something you wouldn't normally do, you should, be, you should be aware of that, right? And lastly is chasing the next blessing. So sometimes people and churches and pastors will present the next blessing and they'll say, hey, pursue the gift and not the giver. You guys ever been there? It's like, it's like, it's like hey, God wants this, this, he wants wealth in your life. And so we're going to pursue that together. We're going to build wealth. We're going to pay off debt. Debt is dumb. Cash is king, Right? Paid off home mortgage. I love Dave Ramsey. Um, but, but sometimes it's presented as, as that's the center of everything, is to pursue the gift and not the giver. It could be health. Um, it, it could be a platform. It could, it, usually it's success. To be honest, people are drawn to churches that are successful because they feel like failures sometimes. You guys ever done that? I know I've done it in my life, is that you want to be a part of a successful ministry because you don't feel like you have that in your life. And so be careful about chasing the next blessing. Man, the giver is so much better than the gift. And he, so like when you give your, your child a gift or your friend a gift, you give them that gift so that they, that, that there's relationship. It's not so that they idolize and love you, right? Um, it, uh, it's all about um, um, the giver and not the gift. I said that kind of wrong, but yeah, don't chase the next blessing. So let's look at this. John chapter 10, verse 11. So we've seen Jesus kind of set up 
the figure of speech. Secondly, he said, I am the gate, which is kind of a weird thing. He's like, I'm a door, basically. And he's saying, hey, you have to, to get to the Father, you have to come through me. Um, and then we're going to jump into John chapter 10. And so just a quick aside, um, at Life Point, we take teaching uh, Scripture very seriously, okay? Um, and so when you sing a worship song here, it's not just because it sounds great. Um, the worship team looks at all the lyrics in a song and make sure they line up with Scripture, if you didn't know that. They're looking at the Is it grounded in? Is it saturated by Scripture? Um, when, we, when we appoint a small group leader, we want to make sure that they're lined up with Scripture, that they're resourced and they're trained and they're helped to teach Scripture. And lastly, for those who teach on the stage, um, like Kyle or Roy or myself or Tyler, um, um, it, it, is, it is a long, hard process to do any message on the stage, okay? Like, you have to submit notes way ahead of time. You've got a team coming around you and giving input, all because we take the Bible seriously. Um, and to be honest, he's not here to stop me. Um, I, think, I think that Kyle does a great job at this. I think Kyle is a faithful I've seen him pass up opportunities um, and even take shots um, um, when he had the opportunity to kind of uh, misuse Scripture for something. He instead stayed faithful. And I think we're lucky as a church to have him, even if he's a Niners fan. So uh, it says this, John 10, 11 says this. It says, I am the good shepherd. So this is where Jesus declares it. It's kind of been implied, but now he says, hey, I am the good shepherd. And he's going to say it twice. The good shepherd lays down his life for the what? For the sheep. And that's us. The hired hand, since he is not the, uh, not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. This makes sense, right? If you're hired to do a job and a wolf is coming to kill you and eat you, you're just, you're out of there, right? But not the shepherd. The shepherd is a little bit different. The wolf then snatches uh, and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. He's talking about the Pharisees, if you didn't catch it. He's saying, you guys are like hired hands. You're like strangers. You're terrible at being shepherds, okay? Um, Jesus says again, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And now, now he gets into, um, he, he raises the bar of what it means to be a good shepherd. He's saying, it's not just that I, people know my voice and I lead them. Uh, it, it affects me. He says this. He says, I, uh, I'm just as the Father knows me. I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. He is a shepherd that truly cares about the sheep. Just like David, when he would run after a bear or a lion and he killed him every time, he was risking his life, except that Jesus actually gave up his life. Um, but I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. And if you don't know what he's talking about, he's talking about us. He's talking about Gentiles. He's talking about the thousands of years to come of the, all the men and women who would believe in Jesus. It wasn't just Israelites 2,000 years ago. We still hear his voice today, and we can still follow him today. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up. Again, and that sounds a little crazy. We'll get into that in a minute. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from the Father. And so um, what we see here, um, there, there's kind of three different realities, okay? The first one is that Jesus has purchased his sheep through his death. So the sheep of, of God's flock, the people who would believe in Jesus, Jesus died to purchase them. And you guys know that, I think. And if you don't know Jesus, that's, that's truly what we believe, is that Jesus gave up his life for you. Like he, he, he loved you and gave up his life for you, but he did it to purchase 
his sheep. It, it wasn't like he wanted to have his cake and eat it too. It's not like my kids. I love my kids, okay? But uh, they love Pokemon, okay? And when they have like $5 to go buy a Pokemon pack, which is what they cost, which is kind of insane, uh, uh, they, they, they want to go buy the Pokemon pack, but they don't want to give up the $5. You guys ever seen this? They want the pack and they don't want to give the guy the five bucks. Um, Jesus, he gives up his life. He doesn't just say he, he's given us life. He lays down his life. He dies for his sheep. He was sacrificed for his sheep. Secondly, Jesus' death and resurrection uh, was sufficient for the world, but only efficient for those who believe and follow him. And so it's talking about his death. While it's available to all, it only applies to those who believe in him. Does that make sense? That Jesus doesn't die for everybody, regardless of whether or not they accept him. You have to go to him. As he said, I'm the gate. Like he says, you've got to get through me. And there's no way, you can't do a run around Jesus to get to God the Father in eternity and forgiveness. And even though we have well-meaning friends who believe in some religion outside that doesn't have Jesus at the center of it, they can't get to the Father without going through the Son. It's impossible. Jesus is the gate. He's the only way in. And lastly, we see as the good shepherd, his, uh, Jesus' voluntary death will be followed by a victorious resurrection. So this is what sets apart Christians. This is what sets apart our doctrine from any other religion. It's not just that we're specific. God has topography and we know who he is. Is that our guy came back from the dead. Jesus says, I have the authority to lay it down, which everybody does. You all can choose to die if you want to, which I would say don't. But maybe you can sacrifice your life for somebody else, but you have no authority to take it up again. And Jesus says, hey, I have the authority. I'm not going to leave my sheep. He says in other places as orphans. I will die and I will rise. And he's talking about his resurrection from the dead. That our guy came back. And go to any other religious system and find those key figures and, and you'll know where they're buried and they're not back. They're, they're dead. Our guy rose from the dead. And not just like in a little room somewhere and we say he really rose. He appeared over 500 people before he ascended into heaven. Um, Jesus is the good shepherd, not just because he loves us. He has the power to take up his life. And man, and it takes both. It doesn't just take love and affection. For a false shepherd can love bomb you to death, can't they? And lead you in a certain way, but only Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life and takes it back up again. And we follow him. And so to kind of summarize, we've seen a couple of things about Jesus being the door and a few other things. Um, As the door, Jesus is both the entrance and the barrier to God. So, so the good news is he gets you to God, right? He is the way. You just got to go to Jesus. That's super simple. But he's also the barrier. If you don't go through him, you are not one of his sheep. And if you try to take the place of Jesus, what does Peter say? Your destruction does not sleep. And again, I don't think there's any false teachers here. I don't think you guys are like wolves and you're like, hey, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to lie about who God is. But there's a certain seriousness to what he's saying. He's saying, it's not that I like to pet sheep. You guys seen a picture of Jesus? He's got the staff. He's got the sheep, right? And it looks like he's just cuddling with a sheep because of the warm wool. He's saying, if you're not part of my sheep, you will face the destruction that God will bring. You're dead in your sin, okay? And sin is the rejecting of God as God. But thanks be to God, he's given us a doorway through Jesus. Jesus is the gate, okay? And that's good news. Uh, Secondly, as the good shepherd, Jesus gives his life to give you life. 
Like I said, it, it, it's, um, he, he laid down his life to give you life. It's called the great exchange, is what theologians call it. Uh, um, is, that, is that Jesus took your sinfulness and he gave you his eternal life. Does that make sense? So your eternal life, if you are in, in Christ, and if you're not in Christ, we believe that we have an eternal life, is not your own separate eternal life. It is the life of Jesus. Does that make sense? It's not like you have a little eternal life generator and all of a sudden you, you'll live, your life is his life. You are connected to his life. And he laid it down on the cross for us. And lastly, as a sheep, you are prone to wander. So are sheep intelligent animals? They're actually not. They're actually pretty stupid. Again, you guys are very smart. I'm not saying that about you guys. But, but sheep are not very smart. And they are prone to wander. Right? And sometimes a shepherd has to physically hurt a sheep to correct it and to get it to do something that will ultimately kill it. And so as people, we are prone to wander away from God. And that's, that's kind of uh, comforting in a way because all of us are prone to wander. It's not just like me. Like I'm like sitting at home. I'm like, man, I'm the only one who wanders. All of us forget about God. All of us forget about Jesus, don't we? Like, like it's usually in the moments of when we're hurt or when we're excited or when there's pride or there's something we're hiding, we forget, and then we, we kind of go down this path. We wander, um, but Jesus is the good shepherd who comes after us. Like, like for me, man, I'm going to let the one go. Like 99 out of 100, that's an A+. Plus. I'm going to settle for that. Jesus is concerned with the one, which is good news because we are the one. We are the broken people who have walked away from God. If you don't know him, you are the one that Jesus will go after. Because he is a good shepherd. He's a perfect shepherd. And so that's, that's who Jesus is. And that's why he calls himself the good shepherd. And, and he doesn't just say it, he proves it as he did on the cross and in his resurrection. So a couple next steps for you guys. I know you guys are, you got the nacho dip coming. You've got the Super Bowl, watching the Chiefs dominate. Maybe you just watch, who here's watching the Super Bowl for Taylor Swift? Raise your hands. Oh, nobody, bunch of liars, Okay. Okay, start back in, in, on verse one and, and go through that again. Um, so a couple next steps is number one, act like you're part of the flock. So you're part of a flock. If you know Christ and if you don't yet know him, you're coming into like a flock. You're like, what does that mean? It means that you're with God's people. It means that you're not alone. It means that you can open up about your life. It means that you're not the only one who struggles. You guys ever feel that? Like, man, nobody else struggles but me. That is, that is not true. You are part of a flock. There's community here at LifePoint. There's community um, that you can rely on and, and look to. You're not the only one. So secondly, critically evaluate who teaches you about God. Like I said, like open up your Bible and, and, and do when somebody is teaching on, uh, in person, online, wherever you're at, small group, go like this. Okay, is this here? Is this here? And if it's not, you should ask some hard questions. And if you don't get good answers, you should consider, hey, maybe I should do something. Maybe I should go somewhere else. Maybe I should not follow this person that is not teaching about God. And then lastly, look to Scripture to listen for God's voice. So um, can I be honest for a second? A lot of us, nobody answered, I'll just do it. A lot of us, including me, we like to be spoon-fed Scripture. We don't have the motivation to open it, and so we rely way too much on maybe our parents, our friends, the pastor on a Sunday, our small group leader, like they'll open the Bible for me and they'll read it for me because I don't want to do it myself. And, and when you're starting out, that's not a, so like with my kids, I don't read the Bible and be like, you're so bad because you didn't read the Bible on your own. But, but a couple years in, 10 years in, you should be doing it yourself. 
You, you, that's how you discern the voice of God, is if you're actually reading the Bible. Like, you've got to know the voice of God, and this is God's, these are God's words. So, so open up the Bible, study God's word. And if you don't have a Bible, there's going to be black Bibles all throughout the room. You have my permission. Please take that Bible home and make it your Bible, and it will be a blessing to you. So let's just let's bow our heads and let's pray. Um, Father, thank you that your son Jesus is the good shepherd. Um, thank you that he does not settle for stolen sheep and doesn't write it off as loss. He will track us down and he will bring us back. No matter what's taken us, no matter what whim that we have followed or what teacher that we followed or what brokenness Satan has, has, has brought us into, Lord, I, I pray that everybody here today would believe that, that Jesus is not just a good teacher. He is a shepherd and he has ultimate control over our lives, that he cares about the one. And I've been the one so many times in my life, Lord, you know how far your son has gone to, to purchase my salvation. And even you've, you've sent him to come after me in certain ways and through the spirit you brought me back to you. And so Lord, help us to believe that. Help us to follow your son, Jesus. Give us discernment, God. A lot of us, it's so hard to discern when somebody is teaching what, what they are teaching. But would you give us the spirit of discernment? Help us to open the Bible for ourselves so we don't just rely on somebody else. And I pray that we'd have a great rest of our day in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we invite you back next week as we see that Jesus is the true vine. Have a great day. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Take care.